You're tuned in to The Keetra Show and listening to SOB, Style of Business, the podcast with your host, Keetra. We aim to highlight the ongoing trek of entrepreneurs and business owners from around the globe, featuring stories that recount their struggles, experiences, and inevitable road to success and self-fulfillment. Welcome to SOB. This podcast is being brought to you by my inspiring new book titled Courage is a Muscle, Using Heart to Power Your Entrepreneurial Dreams. You can grab your copy today on Amazon. Hey, what's up, y'all? Thanks so much for tuning in to another hot episode of SOB Style of Business, the podcast. This is your host, Keetra. And today we got another wonderful guest by the name of Noel Bagwell, who is a wonderful attorney, author, speaker, and he's also the host of a newly released podcast called Profit from Legal. And look... Hey, if you guys have not thought about it, you need to consider, especially if you're a small business, you need to consider looking at the legal services and learning what you need to have in place in order to run your small business efficiently and effectively. And so, like I said, we got an attorney on the line. He's going to be giving us some tips, guidance, advice, hopefully some jewels that we can use, you know, and just kind of keep us from making those mistakes that we small business owners and entrepreneurs tend to make. So. Let me just allow him to drop that introduction. He's going to be giving us the goods. Make sure you guys are tuned in and plugged in to everything that he has to say, and we will go from there. So, Noel, without further ado, go ahead and drop that intro for us, and we'll keep it moving. Yeah, I'm Noel Bagwell. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, or the greater Nashville area, and our office is on West End Avenue in Nashville. Um, I founded Executive Legal Professionals about eight years ago now. It was uh, January of 2013. And I had previously been a solo practitioner just with a general practice, and I was getting a lot of cases that came through my door that were for for easily preventable small business matters. And I thought, this is just kind of silly and ridiculous. And I would ask my clients, why didn't you hire a lawyer in the first place? Like, why are you going to court now? Why do you have a lawsuit now? Why do you have a dispute now that that you're going to have to spend a lot of money to fix? Uh, when you could have prevented this for, you know, peanuts. Yeah. And they'd say, well, we, did, we didn't think it would be peanuts. You know, we thought it would be really expensive to hire a lawyer. And so it really became obvious to me at that point, uh, again, about eight years ago, that small businesses don't have the background. They don't have the education. You know, of course, our public school system doesn't train people in entrepreneurship. It doesn't train them in, you know, uh, business concepts usually very well. Um, So most people, unless they go to business school or they have some uh, corporate experience, they have no idea about working with a lawyer in a business context. Um, And really that plays out in the small business legal marketplace in just really painful ways. Uh, 80% of small businesses that have a significant legal event still don't hire a lawyer. So this idea that people just don't need a lawyer is patently ridiculous because we're talking we're not talking about just like everybody, right? Although I personally believe that every small business does need a lawyer and I can defend that, but yeah. um I, you know a lot of people call me on the other lawyers are like do you really believe that? Do you re-? I actually had another lawyer message me on Facebook. He said, "Do you really believe that every small business needs a lawyer?" And I said, "I do." I do, because there's a lot of things that we can do, even in the absence of a dispute or a lawsuit, that add value to the business, 
that lower the stress of operating the business and that improve the overall risk profile and, and make the business uh, more stable. We can actually even add to the profitability of the business and make the business more profitable. So I do believe that. But small business owners historically have just gone without and they're completely underserved. And that breaks my heart because I, small business owners are the number one employer in the United States. They're the backbone of the U.S. economy. They're, they're huge in the aggregate. They're all very small individually, but put together, they're massive. Yeah, yeah. And this massive uh, landscape of business is largely underrepresented from the legal standpoint. And um, that's really sad. In the big, big corporate world, you don't see that happening. You don't see like Amazon going without legal counsel. <laughs> just, exactly, they have like yeah. a legion of lawyers, right? They have a big legal department and you have to ask yourself, well, are small businesses just, do they just not deserve legal services? Uh, do they just not have legal risks? Both of the answers to that are are an obvious no. They, they do deserve legal services. Everybody should have equal protection of the law. Yeah. And um, of course, they have legal risks. The The real issue for small businesses is that they don't know how to engage with the lawyer in a way that is a, a, a profitable proposition for them. They don't know how to get return on investment in legal services. And that's what I'm out to fix. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I'm glad that you actually kind of jumped right into that because, I mean, I can definitely vouch for, you know, being a small business owner and just, you know, in, in, in the startup community in general, you know, you start out bootstrapping or and, and you feel like maybe I can't afford an attorney when you know that you need a lawyer to come in and look over some contracts. Because I've been in situations to where you have different legal situations. And, you know, if had you had had a lawyer in place to kind of look over contracts and to make sure that things were, uh, you know, the way that they needed to be, you could have avoided a lot of a lot of the um, the pitfalls, you know, that that small business owners kind of come into. And um that is definitely important. And I guess even beyond. Yeah, go go ahead. Even beyond, if I can, just even beyond contract review. Uh, contract review is important. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of people, uh, you've heard the saying that some people are educated beyond their intelligence. Have you ever yeah. heard that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that right. someone has. Yeah. <laughs> so like they have a lot of degrees on the wall or they have credentials that they can hold out to the public, but they really don't have the practical know-how or the critical thinking skills to take the most advantage of that. Um, in a similar way, I, I often say that you can be really good at what you do, or you can be really good at the business of what you do. And very few people are good at both. You know, there's working in your business and working on your business. This is an important distinction that a lot of thought leaders recently have made. And I, I want to hammer that down because I honestly think that when people uh, get so focused on doing what they do, they lose track often of in small business of the business of what they do, especially when they, they are bootstrapping, like you said, and they don't have a big team. And so they start taking little shortcuts and doing doing things like just calling a lawyer in to review a contract right. rather than calling the lawyer to write the contract in the first place, which is what they really ought to do. Um, and beyond even contract work, I mean, when was the last time you evaluated the structure of your business and you asked yourself, are we really supposed to be an LLC or a corporation or a partnership? Um, if you're listening to this podcast in Canada, you don't have the limited liability company option. 
But there's a lot of in the United States, there's a lot of material that's produced and put online about, you know, the all the benefits of an LLC. And so it really depends on your jurisdiction. Like I have a lot of friends in, in Canada and I've, you know, had clients in Europe and other countries and continents. And, um, you know, it really matters where you are and specifically what you're doing, what the makeup of your small business is. You're in a global marketplace now. You're not in Kansas anymore. Right. So exactly. this is this is Oz territory. And if you want to compete on on that level, the, and everybody must now, especially after covid, now that everything's virtual and online, people are sourcing labor online. And if you're going to compete in that online global marketplace, you really need the right fit. So you've got to ask yourself, what is it that a lawyer really does for me? Is it really just, hey, look over these contracts? Or is it, can you come in and actually help me build intellectual property assets? Can you actually help me lay down systems and processes for my team? Can you help me structure the relationships between my business and my employees, vendors and suppliers, clients and customers? Can you help me uh, do some risk forecasting as I grow in the future what are the risks that I'm going to face and how can I plan for that now? It's all of that strategic thinking, that the problem solving and the relationship management stuff that lawyers bring to bear. And they can do it for small businesses. That's not just a big business thing. And it's not a thing for tomorrow. It's not a thing for someday. It's a thing that you need from day one. Exactly. And and to me, it sounds like that's more of working alongside a you know, it kind of like a partnership because you're working with somebody that's going to help you build your your business structure. So it sounds like, you know, looking to secure a lawyer or put a, a get a lawyer on retainer would be something that you do at the very beginning of launching a business or, or startup. Is, is that is that correct? Like you want to start as early as possible. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the way we do it. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm loath to tell people how they should do it because I don't believe in a one size fits all solution. That's part of my problem with services like, and forgive me, uh, universe, but for, for yeah. services like LegalZoom and services yeah. like, like Legal Shield and all of that, but like there's nothing wrong, intrinsically wrong with using those services. They're not bad services. They serve a place and they have a proper function and all that. So I'm not out to, to you know, disrespect the competition or whatever. Although they they don't really compete with me on a one to one, but yeah. the problem with them is that they do all pre- present a one size fits all right. uh, solution, and I don't think that that's right for small businesses. If you've ever bought a one size fits all like Halloween costume, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm <laughs> you, know, you got to ask yourself, <laughs> right? How how'd that work? You know, how'd that exactly. work out for you? How'd that fit? You know, was the fit good? It's not a good fit. And uh, specifically for small businesses, one of the problems that we encountered early on was the problem of getting them to actually call the lawyer and use the lawyer's services. And we we quickly realized that even before we opened our doors, when we were just doing like conceptual development for our business model, because we rebuilt the business model for a law firm from the ground up to support small businesses. So like our whole firm from before we even opened our doors was designed around supporting small businesses. And so we asked ourselves, well, why are these small businesses not hiring a lawyer in the first place? And a huge part of it, not all of it, but a huge part of it was the fact that they could not budget for legal services. Because typically when you hire a lawyer, when you, like you said, put the lawyer on retainer or what have you, what's happening is 
the way that process normally works is you come into the lawyer's office, they probably give you a free consultation or charge you a nominal fee. And you come in and you pay the retainer and it's usually, you know, $2,000, $5,000, $10,000 or more, right? Whatever the lawyer's retainer is. And the retainer goes and sits in a trust account. And that account is owned by the state, but the lawyer is a trustee for it. So he has, you know, the rights to manage the, the account. It's regulated. It's owned by the state. It's heavily monitored by the state. And uh, at least in the United States. So the money just sits there and it's not really doing anything for anybody. It's not really doing anything for the lawyer. It's not really doing anything for you. But as you use the lawyer's services, he bills you hourly against that retainer. And so he has a right as he delivers the services and earns the fees to draw money out of that retainer for compensation. And then when it reaches a certain threshold, he sends you a retainer replenishment request. So basically saying, hey, you got to top up. So the practical effect of that for the small business really sucks because imagine you pay a $5,000 or a $10,000 retainer and your lawyer's billing you at the national average rate of $235 per hour. And let's just say after, you know, 13 hours of work, he's racked up a $3,055 bill. Now, when you subtract that from your $5,000 retainer, you, you know, you've got $1,945 or $1, left in, in the kitty, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, whenever it drops down to maybe a $2,000 level or a $1,000 level, you're going to get a retainer replenishment or request, which means that you've got to top up. So you're going to have to pay that, you know, $3,000 however often it drops to that threshold. It's highly unpredictable. You you can't tell, you know, you, you don't control how much time he spends working on your legal matter, and you don't control when he spends that time. So periodically, you're just getting these kind of bursty requests exactly. for a few thousand dollars here and there. That will really mess up your cash flow if you're not careful with it. And small business owners, they know this, even if they don't like consciously know it, they feel it intuitively. They, they're like, because it's an unknown. They, they know what they don't know. They know that they don't know how, how much they're really spending or what the bill is until it, until it arrives in their mailbox. And it only takes getting one of those or two of those exactly. for you to go, whoa, wait a minute, let's slow this down. You know, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, you're on a date and things start going a lot faster than you really want. And you're like, oh, <laughs> wait a minute, I got to slow this down. This is a, I don't know that I like you that much just yet. Let's, uh, let's, let's chill. Exactly. So yeah. that's a big issue for lawyers. And it, it really speaks to the fundamental problem with the billable hour business model, which is the client is agreeing to a rate, but not a price. And it's it's kind of like uh, going to CarMax, right? Like you, people like to shop at CarMax. They buy a car at CarMax because they just pay the sticker price on the windshield. It's simple. It's like a, a flat. It's not all this extra gobbledygook, all this stuff that they don't understand, you know, these fees and those surcharges and this, that, and the other thing. It's like, boom, right there on the windshield. Yeah. And legal services needs to be similar for, for one-off projects, things like contract review, things like uh, a mediate, doing a mediation, like a negotiation or, you know, something that requires like a half day, you go in and you're, you're there to resolve the dispute, try to negotiate it, the, the resolution and keep people out of court. Little projects like that can all be flat fee projects and they can be, the, the fees for those can be calculated based on the value that the lawyer delivers to the client. It can be done. We've in fact done it for like eight years. So we know it can be done. Exactly. And I, ongoing yeah, stuff, though, yeah. 
Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I love the fact that you guys are actually doing that for small businesses. You Go, go ahead and continue. I want to hear what, you, what you're going to say. Oh, yeah. I was going to say for ongoing services, it's a little bit trickier. You know, you think, well, what would be the right solution? If I don't want to charge hourly, but I want to deliver really high value to the client and, you know, I understand that that's going to have a certain rhythm and pulse. It's an ongoing service. So, you know, they're going to have to con- pay continually. I mean, the obvious model there is a subscription, Right. And a lot of services have gone to subscription based services. And a lot of lawyers have tried to figure out how to do subscription based legal services well. And I've even seen, like, there's a lawyer, I can't remember her name, but she's in uh, Southern California and she does family law. Um, uh, and she does it on a subscription model basis. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really intriguing. Um, for family law, like it, you, I guess you just subscribe to your divorce until it's done. Yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't really know exactly all right. the details of how it works, but you can kind of imagine. But our solution was um, to figure out what it is, like what small business is, what small businesses are actually paying for legal services in various markets. So we we go out and and gather a ton of statistical data, and it took me about two years, but I developed this algorithm that lets me put in all of that statistical data along with location variables. Cause you know, uh, a lawyer in Denver isn't going to cost the same as a lawyer in like Nashville. Yeah. Um, so we can localize the the data and adjust it for different jurisdictions. Um, but we put all of the, the, these complex calculations into our algorithm and all we have to do is tell the algorithm how big the business is, which is measured by the business's revenue. That's the same way that the U.S. Small Business Administration measures the size of the business. We tell it the size of the business, and we tell it where the business is, and we tell it how many lawyers are needed to support the business. And that kind of scale, we have like a sliding scale. The bigger the business is, the more lawyers we assign to the account to make sure that they're fully supported and you know that they're not having like long wait times for for work product requests and stuff like that. So we put in all the variables about the size and location of the business and it tells us based on what other businesses are spending. So basically market data, right? What that business should be spending annually on preventive legal services. The magic of this is now you have basically a budget for your outsourced legal department. And we break that up into easy payments for you. And, and it's a subscription, uh, it's a subscription-based outsourced legal department for your small business. Oh wow. Just to yeah. put this into context, um, we can we can do one of the we can do like a quote for you live uh, in this call if you would like. And you can give me like a random just give me the most random information about a business and I'll tell you exactly what it would cost to support that. So like Let's start with the location. Anywhere in the United States, just pick a major city. Okay. Let's go for, I don't know. Let's go for Dallas. All right, cool. Dallas, Texas. All right. In Texas, Dallas. And what about the size of the business? I mean, most small businesses are, you know, so under $25 million in revenue. Oh, okay. Like, uh, yeah. 10 people. Yeah, so 10 about, people. Let's say $15 million in revenue or something that way. Something along those lines. All right. So $15 mil- for a business of 15 million in revenue, we would recommend up to three attorneys to support that business up to, you know, that's a, a maximum, uh, depending on the business and like what legal work that you you need, uh, you might, you might get away with two, but let's just put in three. Um, and when we calculate that, the, the budget, the legal budget for a $15 million business is $326,300.66. So that's what you should be spending annually based on the market data, based on 
Yeah, that would be what you should be spending. Now, most people are going to say, okay, but how do I know if I spend $326,366 a year on legal services? How do I know that that's a good deal for me? And how do I know that that's a, a positive ROI, like a profitable proposition? Exactly. Well, the good deal uh, is easier to answer. Um, what we can do is we can compare it to um, the alternative. The alternative would be maybe you have an in-house legal department. Maybe you don't do outsourced legal department. Maybe you don't have what we call outside general counsel, right? Maybe you don't have that. Maybe you say, well, it might be just cheaper to hire them all as employees and bring them in-house. And plus, we could probably ask them to do things that are legal adjacent that are not necessarily like strictly legal uh, tasks. There are some like business tasks or HR tasks or whatever, depending on their skill set, we might be able to get m even more value out of them. Exactly. But um, yeah, and a lot of th that's a big trend in the law. Like a lot of uh, businesses that are especially larger businesses are trending towards in-house counsel because they can uh, fulfill a more diverse uh, array of roles within the company. But if you were going to hire those three lawyers, it would cost you in salary alone. And this is a, a rough estimate just based on reasonable, like sort of middle of the road compensation. Um, uh, so it would cost you about $532,800 um, for in, in compensation alone for those, for those three attorneys. So by using, if by using our service, uh, the Signet General Counsel service that we offer, you'd be saving $206,499.34. And people always ask me, why do you put in the cents? I'm like, because it matters. Matters, exactly. You know, exactly. that level yeah. of, you know, Save every penny. penny matters. Every penny of profitability matters. Save a penny, a penny saved is a penny earned. And so I always tell people, we can tell you down to the penny what it ought to cost you. And if we can save that business, you know, over $200,000 versus in-house counsel, we know that we can be super competitive. But the other question, the, you know, how do you know it's it's a positive ROI proposition exactly. yeah. is a bit yeah. more complex. Yeah. yeah. And let me ask you this. I, I wanted to add, I know you you mentioned, you know, that this would be a good starting point for a business of the, the uh, you know, based in Dallas, it's, you know, earning $15 million in revenue. Um, is this all pertaining to preventative, you know, preventative yep. law? Oh, okay. It's preventive. Okay, preventive. Okay, yep. now, get, preventive now, law. now explain a little bit more for those who are not familiar with that, because I'm not fully understanding what that is. So just kind of go back and, you know, if you can, just provide some more details on what that actually does. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, preventive law, uh, it, it it sounds like it's all about legal risk prevention, and it right. is primarily yeah. about legal legal risk legal risk prevention. So there are f three phases of um, a lawsuit, right? So the first phase is you have a risk. You've got uh, some potential, like if you do these things wrong, you're going to have a problem. Okay, that that would be a risk. If you do, if you there's something that you should do that you don't do, or there's something that you should not do and you do it. Right. So uh, the potential for that to happen is what we consider to be a risk. And all of those things can be pretty well forecasted in advance, you know, for the most part. Nobody's perfect and there's no perfect system and you can't completely eliminate risk. But to the extent that you can forecast it, you can have a plan. And so you can be better off at the margins than you would be without a plan if you put a plan in place. So that's really what it's all about is it's about proper prior planning. Uh, proper prior planning prevents pitifully poor performance. 
And that's what we want to do. We want to improve your performance um, versus, versus risk. So we put the plan in place, and then we hope that there's not a, a problem, um, and we track, we track all of this. We kind of keep an eye on risks. We talk about the risks with the client, and we say, what are you doing to prevent these risks from becoming a problem, and how can we help? How can we be a part of that? It's a, it's a lot of communication. Yeah. It's conversation. Um, so we do, we do a lot of that, um, and I'm kind of boiling it down into the most uh, essential elements. Like the actual process is pretty technical, but you know, it's guided by the lawyer who's a, who has the technical expertise to make it simple for you and help you through it so that, you know, ultimately the lawyer is saying, have you thought about this and would you like to do this about it? And if oh, they, they say, well, we haven't thought about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we, we, we do keep it simple We're we're not here to like bury people in legalese. I hate legalese. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I hate, I hate legalese and I hate lawsuits and people are like, why did you become a lawyer? I'm like, cause I'm good at it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I think you should do what you're good at. So then the second phase of a, a lawsuit is a problem. Somebody, somebody didn't keep track of their legal risks or there was some externality that was unforeseeable, some circumstance or some, somebody did something or somebody didn't do something that, you know, people weren't keeping their eye on the ball and it might not be anybody's fault, right? Like nobody saw COVID coming. That's a huge problem for a lot of businesses. It's not necessarily a legal problem, but it has ripples in the legal community and in the legal aspects of your business. Things like um, I had a buddy in Canada and I'm, you know, I can actually, he, he, we had this rescheduled meeting and he said he was having some uh, legal issue. And I said, what is, you know, is it anything that I can help you with? I know you're all the way up there. And he said, well, it's the specifics of Canadian COVID law, really. So it's not really anything that you can help with. He said someone was recalled from a temporary layoff and they declined to come back to work. And we're issuing a record of employment and he's saying he's entitled to unlimited leave under their new infectious disease emergency leave, which their their employers in Canada cannot require evidence to support oh, wow. the, the claim. So it's kind of like similar to like a workers' comp claim, but the employer is is hamstrung. They're they can't really like ask him a lot of questions because of privacy issues. Yeah. And he said, uh, he says he's taking care of a family member and they canceled her benefits and stuff. And so it's like this whole mess because of COVID and it really, it really isn't directly related to COVID, but but the the laws that they passed because of COVID and then the circumstances of having to like call out of work, it it all has legal implications for the business because normally what they would do is just let him go. Yeah. And he's saying, you can't fire me. I'm unfireable because my employment is protected under this new COVID related laws. And basically I get unlimited family leave time. And they're like, well, we're understaffed, and if we go and hire a new person, then our budget for for uh, staffing is going to be over. You know, we're going to have to overspend, and you know, you can't effectively terminate someone by leaving them on your work roster and then just not assigning them any hours because they'll they'll say that they've constructively been fired. So there are all of these like really messy issues that you can't always forecast. Those can be big problems. Um, a lot of the problems can be prevented. Most of the problems can be prevented. That's the good news. Yeah. But in the event that you can't prevent a risk, it becomes a problem. And then that's where you really need to start like doing some damage control fast because the problem quickly can become a crisis and it can get completely out of hand. And I would define a crisis as 
a lawsuit for one thing, or the government coming in and taking some kind of like regulatory action against your business where, you know, now you have fines and penalties and stuff like that. We definitely want to prevent the crisis, but it's like that, you know, Barney Fife from, from Andy Griffith's show, right? Nip right. it in the bud. <laughs> right, you got to nip it in the bud You get it before it's a big problem. Exactly. No, and that, I tell you what, I appreciate you kind of going a little bit more in depth and explaining that. Uh, because, you know, it's good sure. to kind of know, and especially for, you know, like I said, any small business owner or entrepreneur that may be listening. Um, no, tell us a little bit about who who's a, a perfect candidate for your services. I know you, we, we're talking about small businesses, but is there a specific um, industry or, you know, category type? Like, give us a little bit more on that before we uh, get ready to wrap up here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that the perfect candidate is a candidate that that wants to learn how to profit from having legal services because, um, and I would, you know, you might think like demographics and psychographics and all that stuff, like what is the psychology of your perfect client? And, you know, what are, what is their age and race and geographic area and all the ID, uh, um, all the identity stuff. Um, I mean, I have that data, but I don't like that data. I don't like the, the story that the data tells. Um, and what I'll, let me unpack that a little yeah. bit, because it's actually kind of interesting, right? Like as I was doing research for when we were developing Profit from Legal, which is our new service as a product, you know, it's a service delivered as a product. It's it's designed to be scalable. Um, and we're, we've designed this program so that, um, you know, a lot of people could participate in, at a, you know, in the program at a certain time or at the same time. Okay. But we really don't want that. What we want to have is a, a high... Um, attorney to client ratio, or you know, basically want to have a, few, a small number of clients for each attorney um, that's delivering this service because we want a lot of personal attention and we really want the clients to feel um, like cared for and to feel that the service is customized for them. Yeah. I'm using the word feel a lot, and you might notice, and that's that's weird for a lawyer. Usually, lawyers don't care a whole lot about your feelings; they just care about <laughs> you know the, the results, right? Um, Right. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think it really matters. I'm obsessed with the client experience. That's that's what drives me is I have this obsession with every client being a, a raving fan. And that comes from before law school. Even I was in business. I had about 26 jobs before law school and I was fired from about a quarter of them um, because I am not satisfied with the status quo. And I would tend to rock the boat a bit. You know, oh, wow. people were like, oh man, this guy, he's like, he's way too intense or, <laughs> you know, he's doing things in an unorthodox way. We're not okay with it. We have to, you know, hew to uh, the way that things are. And it was just very, like, I found it to be very rigid and territorial and that didn't always go over really well. Cause I was always saying, you know, we could do better. We can be better. We can, why aren't we doing it this way? Why aren't we doing it that way? And people didn't really like that. Yeah. They were like, why can't you just go along to get along? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not really wired like that. Right, right. But when I started getting into the data about um, about all of this, like I did the demographic research. I asked, how old are they? Are they men? Or are they women? Um, you know, what's their uh, sexual preference? What's their nationality? How much money do they earn? What do they do for work? What's their title? And I was thinking, like, if you're going to reach all of these people, like where, you know, why, what, you might ask, well, why would you even care what their sexual preference? Well, yeah. well what media are they consuming? You know, where would I advertise? Where, where can I make make them aware? Like, where can I put information in their path so that they will encounter it and be aware of what we're trying to do for them. Mm -hmm. And so I've asked all those questions and I did not like the, the picture that was painted. Um, 
on average, small business owners are 50.3 years old. Uh, entrepreneurs in the construction industry are the youngest. They're at 48.3 years on average. And financial insurance and real estate professionals are the oldest at 54.1 years. Like I can break wow, this down with yeah. great specificity. 73% of the small business owners are men. Um, 73%. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, immigrants have founded, in, immigrants, right, have founded 55% of the unicorn startups in the U.S., Right. So uh, 86.3% of small business owners take a salary of less than $100,000. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, we know we can break down the demographics, but the question is not who are they? It's who can they, these people be? Who can a successful small business owner be? That's the better question for me, not who are the people who've, who've already made it or who are already doing this. That's expert thinking and experts are masters of old knowledge and old wisdom that they're they're masters of of understanding the what got us here and what is currently working or what is considered to be working right yeah, yeah. the masters of future wisdom are the entrepreneurs they're the ones who have the ideas for the future they're the, the elon musks of the world that drive us forward yeah. they're the you know you might love him or hate him but mark zuckerberg love him or hate him jeff bezos love him or hate him, Bill Gates, you know, you, however you feel about these people, it's undeniable that these people have presented brand new tools, brand new technologies, brand new ways of doing things, innovations um, that have driven humanity forward, at least technologically speaking, and, and uh, in terms of improving our quality of life. And I don't think that you ought to limit yourself to men in their 50s. Exactly. <laughs> for example, yeah, right. you know, like, is that really a thing? Like, do we really need all all our entrepreneurs? Should we should we customize our legal content to just men in their fifties? I don't know. I mean, I don't have anything against men in their fifties. Yeah, but I I tend to think that like anybody with a good idea that moves the needle on on solving a meaningful problem for the world can be an entrepreneur. And I want to make our services accessible to to everybody regardless of the demographics. So the whole I like ideal client thing from a demographic standpoint, um, like I know it. And I, I don't completely ignore it, but that's not really what I'm out to. I'm not out to speak to someone's identity because I want to be identity agnostic. Yeah. If you're identity agnostic, if you're just not like speaking to a person's race or speaking to a person's age or speaking to a person's faith mm. or whatever they whatever they constructs their identity, if you're not speaking to those things, if instead you're speaking to their mind you're speaking to their values, you're speaking to their identity as a, a thinker, um, I think then your message will be more universal. I believe your message will be more universal. It'll be more appealing and it will be unifying. It will bring people together. When you speak to someone's race or to their age or to whatever you know category or class of person they are, you necessarily exclude everybody who's not in that category. Yeah. So it's divisive. And the only way to really unite people around good ideas is to ignore the demographics and speak to the shared values. So improved profitability, adding more value to your business, lowering stress, lowering risk. Those are things that every single entrepreneur, regardless of demographics, can say, yeah, that's for me. I love that. I want to. I want more of that. So that's what we speak to. In terms of 
like revenue and, and business life cycle in that. I will say that that profit from legal, you know, learning how to profit from having legal support, it kind of comes in two flavors, just like our outside general counsel uh, comes in two flavors. I quoted you the cost of Signet, but what I didn't say is that for businesses that have less than a million dollars in revenue, the micro businesses, the, the early stage yeah, startups, the people exactly. who are super small, yeah. that's too much. That's too much. And number one, it's too much service. They don't, they're not going to use all of that on a regular basis. And it's too much cost. It's not going to fit in their budget. And custom tailoring your legal support to fit the budget for the business is absolutely essential to making the relationship work. So we offer a service called Legal Lifeline. And it's available for $4,800 annually or $1,500 every 90 days, $1,500 per quarter. So you save about $100 a month uh, if you break it down doing the annual. And it includes unlimited remote legal consultation service. It includes uh, all your legal research, basically all the things that lawyers use to nickel and dime, you know, we exactly. just include all of those things. Um, it doesn't have the, the robust support of the Signet service, but it costs a lot less. And, um, it, you know, those, those incidental services, things like contract drafting and, and stuff like that, you know, alternative dispute resolution, they're still available to the legal lifeline clients, but we just charge a flat fee and we charge it on an as-needed basis instead of including it in your subscription, which would be much more expensive. So we have those solutions. But for profit from legal, um, you know, in terms of learning how to make your legal service more profitable, uh, the full program isn't going to be for everybody. Um, it's primarily going to benefit businesses that have more than a million dollars in revenue. And specifically, what we think and this is still really early stages of development, so don't interpret this as in an exclusive way. Yeah. We think the people who are really going to be on the high end of the bell curve for benefit are businesses that have between 10 million and 50 million in revenue. Okay. But you know, again, that's like the high end of the bell curve. Most small businesses are going to be, you know, probably in that one to 25 million dollar uh, range. You know, that's what the U.S. Small Business Administration tends to classify a small business as as a business that has less than 25 million in revenue. So we would consider a $25 million revenue business to be kind of at the top of the bell curve, like right there in the middle. Um, it is all on a curve. We understand that we're not trying to exclude anybody, but we do want to speak honestly to who, who it's best designed for. And for those businesses that have less than a million dollars, we don't want to leave them out. Okay. What we offer is um, an insight workshop. And the cost on that is about $2,500. Um, it's a half-day workshop. They get a really valuable keynote presentation from us. We unpack the Profit from Legal Scorecard that we've developed, it's a, which is, by the way, a free tool that anybody can take. Um, you go to profitfromlegal.scoreapp.com. Okay. You just sign on there, put in your information. You take the Legal Profitability Scorecard, and it'll tell you how well your lawyer is doing at improving the legal profitability of your business. And then it'll give you a couple of free things. I like our profit, profit, uh, profit from legal report and the five legal ease canvas, which is our, our signature method. And we call it the five legal ease because we like the legal ease. That's a step-by-step -step method. We don't like legal ease, which is a bunch of gobbledygook. Yeah. Yeah. We need it. So, size, right. Uh, yeah. Perfect. So uh, we, we kind of walk people through all of that. They get the, the keynote presentation. We do the unpacking of the scorecard results. We do some Q&A, and then we, we leave them with really meaningful insights and, and a, a customized report that says, here's where you are today. 
And here's where you've said that you want to go. And we believe that taking these these first steps will um, be the path to improve legal profitability. And when you're ready, we'll be here with the full profit from legal program. And if a if a small business, just say that they're like an $800,000 in revenue business, maybe they have a very small team of five to 10 employees, um, they're early stages, they definitely know that they need the full program, they need to integrate you know, legal services with their regular operations and and use legal services to be more profitable. But they're not quite there yet. They're not willing to go through a six-month business development program, you know, where the, it's it's pretty in, intensive. It's a little bit it's a little bit expensive, but very worthwhile. Like it pays for itself. Um, they're not just there yet, but they can do the workshop. So we get them into the workshop. We deliver a really high value there. And then if they come back and they say, okay, now we're ready for the full program, we apply the fee that they paid for the workshop as a, a credit, 100% towards the cost of the full program. Oh, wow. So okay. nothing is lost. Yeah, it's it, like basically anybody who's been through the workshop, they're not going to have to pay uh, the full price for the full profit from legal program because we take the fee they paid for the workshop and apply it to the full program. So they get a nice a nice discount. It's kind of a discount, but really um, there's a bit of overlap in the very initial phases of the delivery of the full profit from legal program. There's a, a little bit of overlap with the workshop and we just don't ever want people to feel like they're paying double um, for, for even like the tiniest sliver of the same content. We don't want people to feel that way. Uh, it, it is about a great client experience. And when they go through the full profit from legal program, ultimately the win at the end of it, the prize at the end of the whole thing is they will have the means and the knowledge to make the best use of that preventive legal service, that ongoing legal service. They'll know how to use a lawyer to make their business more valuable, like actually change the value of their business. But like today you could sell your business for X, tomorrow you can sell it for Y. And the difference is you brought a lawyer in to help you build assets in your business and do asset building. We can make your business less stressful by helping to set expectations and put contracts in place that manage the relationships. And then we can make the business, um, you know, less vulnerable to legal risk by doing all of that legal risk forecasting, having the conversations, putting plans in place. Um, It's all very Tyrion Lannister, honestly, if you ever watched Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I kind of think of Tyrion as like the perfect lawyer to deliver this service. If, if, uh, If you were in the Game of Thrones world, it would be like plans within plans and strategies and that. So uh, either him or Varys, one or the other. Well, I'm also a huge nerd, if you haven't noticed, but you know <laughs> that works in my favor as hey, well. We love nerds. You definitely have bought the goods and have uh, provided a lot of valuable insight. And and I'll tell you what, before we wrap up, Noel, I know you have given us your website and some um, information, but if anybody wants to reach out to get you know, maybe a consultation or some additional information, Go ahead and let us know where we can reach you online and then just maybe drop um, yeah. just a word of encouragement. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, this has been good. This has been good. Great. I'm so glad to hear that it was valuable content for you. I mean, that that really is everything to me. Um, we have a couple of places where you can get some good information. There's a, a free Profit From Legal Facebook group. You can jump into that. We post like whenever we write articles that we would post on our blog or other places around the Internet, they, they always get linked from the Facebook group. Um, we link episodes to the Profit From Legal podcast in the Facebook group. So that's really become a hub for information about what we're doing. Uh, we, we just bought the domain profitfromlegal.com 
this product is really new. It's really revolutionary. Like no other lawyers that I know of are, are even doing this or trying to do this. Nobody's out there trying to show small businesses how they can profit from having legal support, as far as I know, other than us. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of the only game in town for, for doing that. But uh, yeah, it's executivelp.com slash profit dash from dash legal. And we're, we're in the process of pointing the domain name straight to that page. But um, we also have links on the homepage that'll, that'll get you there from, from the menu. And you can, from that page, it'll link you straight to our profit from legal scorecard. Um, You can book in for a profit from legal workshop right there from the main page. So, and then of course, joining the Facebook group is, you know, you're going to get links to all of, all of this stuff um, and listen to the podcast. You'll get even more detailed information about how we do what we do and what we're all about and all that jazz. I don't want to take up too much of your time just plugging my stuff, but um, to answer your question, that's probably the best place to go to get, get what you're looking for. All right. Perfect. Hey, um, well, word of encouragement. encouragement. There we go. Yep. I will leave you with one. Yeah. Word of encouragement. I, I, I want to actually share um, a great quote uh, by Sun Tzu uh, and, and a, a one by a Frenchman named Yvonne Chouinard. Right. Um, Yvonne Chouinard said, uh, profit is what happens when you get everything else right. Profit is what happens when you get everything else right. And I think that is one of the most core concepts to profit from legal because that's what we're all about is helping you get everything else in your business right. Are you adding the right value to your business? Are you um, doing the things that will keep you from burning out in your business, managing your stress? I mean, stress is a a killer. Um, I mean, literally, like kills people with heart attacks but also kills your business because it robs you of your passion. If you're stressed out, you're not going to be in love with what you do. Uh, You're going to feel bad instead of feeling good. And so you really do need to manage that. And then, of course, the the legal risk side of it, like for most small businesses, they're so fragile. They're so vulnerable. One lawsuit could easily tank a business. I I once heard a statistic that you're you're not really lawsuit proof until you're over $100 million in revenue. And that blew my mind. I was like, wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So up to that point, you know, given the right circumstances, a, a single lawsuit could, if it was the right lawsuit, kind of perfect storm situation, it could tank your business. So, in, you know, once you're up to $100 million in revenue, I guarantee you've got at least, you know, you got more than one lawyer. you got a bunch of lawyers. If you've got $100 million in revenue, you've got several lawyers protecting exactly. you. Yeah, you should but, um, a good legal counsel by that hour, you know, <laughs> so... Go, go ahead. Yeah, and, and that doesn't all happen all at once, right? Like, it's not just like all of a sudden you have $100 million in revenue and like an army of lawyers show up on your doorstep. Like, we're here to protect you. No, it's something that you build along the way as you go, right? That's and true. this true, sort true, of true. leads back to what Sun Tzu said, that Yvonne Chouinard, you know, profit is what happens when you get everything else right. It sort of uh, rests on a deep wisdom by Sun Tzu, uh, who wrote The Art of War. He said, victorious warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win. And what we want people to do is have the means to win first. 
the lawsuit is won before you ever go to court because you've laid the foundation. You've you've had a strategy all along for how to protect your yourself from legal risk. You've been monitoring those risks from before they became problems. You've got good, well-written contracts drafted by a lawyer governing your relationships. You're keeping your eye on the law as it changes and as it impacts your business. You have won first. And then if someone is foolish enough to go to war with you, you're, you're, you know, I can't always guarantee victory, but yeah. you're going to be in a far, far better position than you would be if you said, well, let's just wing it. And then you pick the fight, not really knowing what you were getting into. And then you're trying to win a, a lawsuit that way. It almost never works out well. Never works. You got to have the strategy. All right. Well, hey, no, we got to, yeah, we got to have you back, guys. We just heard from Noel Bagwell, who is the, owner and the president of Executive LP. Hey, you guys get in touch because he has a lot of good information, good tools, workshops, services that we small business owners and entrepreneurs could use. And no, um, we're going to have to have you back. You know, I know that we we have so much more to discuss, but uh, we definitely appreciate you for being a great guest and looking forward to all the wonderful things that you have coming down the pipeline. I know the podcast is off to a good start. So thank you so much. Absolutely. It might be fun to do like a, a Q&A sometime if you're listening send in some some questions and ask a lawyer i'd be happy to show up and just field field legal questions and you know deliver some really good value to your audience that way but thank you so much for having me on I, i'm always happy to come back anytime you'd like perfect thank you we'll talk to you soon all right take care bye-bye Thanks for hanging out with us here on SOB. We hope this episode has been resourceful. If you'd like to check out the latest articles or follow Keetra's website updates, just log on to Keetra.com or follow her on Twitter at K-E-E-T-R-I-A.